I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Ice Sport Radio. It's Broad Street Hockey's rest of the league show. My name is Bill Matz. I am a director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm especially excited about today's show, guys, because you know what I don't have to talk about? The Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, let's get right into it. Again, we are without Stephalicious D, Steph Driver this week. She will be I believe joining us next week, making her triumphant Yay. return. But let's talk about who is here. Uh, first and foremost, let's throw it to the fly by herself, Kelly Hankel. So I would just like to point out here on this show about the rest of the NHL that Valtteri Filppula, who plays for the New York Islanders now, has more points than every single flyer not named Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, or Wayne Simmons. Because hockey is stupid, and none of it makes any sense. I think this should be a. Uh, I think this should be a trend. Guys in their guys in their like mid thirties should just take a whole season off, and then they'll be fresh. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Uh, the thing is, though, this isn't this isn't Valtteri Filppula actually playing well. This is Valtteri Filppula scoring on fifty seven percent of his shots on goal. So like, mm-hmm. it, it's funny. Well, I mean, it's funny in like a I want to like actually hang myself yeah. sort of way, but it the 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 chances of this continuing are infinitesimal because no one scores on so few shots as Valtteri Filippola has done so far this year. Don't worry, he's still actually bad. So what you're telling me is he's actually the sniper we need uh, in that power play <laughs> spot we tried him out on last year. Should have kept. Yeah. Yeah, Bill, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> and that voice you just heard is TheAthletic.com's Charlie O'Connor. So I want to prepare everyone for this because <laughs> this is something that I've been hearing um, just in, like, you know, press rooms and, you know, amongst people who I gather tend to drive the conversation. I want to prepare everyone that, like, this whole Matthews versus McDavid, Mitt David might not be the best player in the world thing. Okay, this is this is just the start. Because we are about six months away from people acting like, well, actually, Connor McDavid isn't even really that good. Oh, boy. Because, because his team sucks. And if he was really that good, then obviously the Oilers would be better. So McDavid must be really bad at defense and must actually not be that good of a player. He's not even on the level of Austin Matthews and Sidney Crosby and Patrice Bergeron because – Team wins. That's what matters. So just want to prepare everyone that when that starts, assuming the Oilers don't make the playoffs this year, and based on the start of this year, I don't think they're going to. Hmm. Assuming that continues, we are going to begin. He's going to begin to get the Alexander Ovechkin treatment when it, when they kept losing a lot. He's on that path, and I feel bad for Conor McDavid, but I see it coming. So prepare yourself. That's infuriating. I'm already infuriated ahead of time. That's uh. Kelly, me and Charlie were talking before you got into the into the Google Hangout. I really believe the entire next lockout needs to be about getting him on an American team. Because this you can't have a guy this friggin' good. The fastest dude I've ever seen with the puck on his stick. The most productive player in the NHL. You can't have a guy this good 
just wasting away up in Western Canada. Yeah. And it's not even like you get to put him... You, you don't even get to see him in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, like... His, I mean, we joke a lot about them wasting him. But, like, like legitimately, they're going to waste what could possibly be, like, one of the top, I don't know, five players to ever play the game. And it's uh, not good for them. It's not good for us. It's not good for the league. I don't know if maybe, like, Bettman should order a hit on Shirelli or something. I don't know. But they got to do something to get that kid. You know what the best part is? The guy who's most at fault, he still has a job. Yes. He's still employed. Like, everyone in the league should know how bad he's done. And he's still employed. He's still getting a paycheck. It's unbelievable. unbelievable. I, I I don't know what's more like unfathomable: the fact that Shirelli still has a job in Edmonton, or the fact that Ian Laperriere is still penalty kill coach in Philadelphia. Dude, yeah. like they're 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 both around the same level of what in the actual fuck. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say I haven't seen this kind of commitment to failure since the Flyers penalty <laughs> kill. Uh, <laughs> And uh, oh. look, look at that! It didn't. It didn't take long, fam. We're already talking about. But the how does this affect the Leafs? <laughs> after I said it was, <laughs> put put McDavid on the Leafs. Oh my God! For FC, that would be amazing. Give me a super team. Give me the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> and I'm gonna get into. Uh, I'm gonna get in. This is gonna have. Uh, this is gonna be kind of a McDavid heavy episode, perhaps. But I, I want to say, way to go, NHL. We've got two Canadian teams featured on Wednesday Night Hockey tonight. Leafs-Jets from Winnipeg. And I got to commend the NHL, man. Bare minimum. And a Western Conference finalist hosting, you know, one of the best teams in the league. That's all it took to get uh, to say, hey, we're not going to get good ratings anyway. We might as well just put good hockey on television. And it's not the freaking Sabres. Uh <laughs> I'm looking forward to this game yeah. mostly as a, a, a palate cleanser, and I'm going to get to watch two good teams. But I just – this idea that, oh, well, you know, can it, yeah, hockey's just a local thing anyway. We only get a boost from local markets, and since uh, Canada doesn't count towards, you know, the Nielsen ratings, might as well not feature those teams. Like, just put good hockey on, and people will find it. Hockey fans are looking for a reason to watch hockey. Uh I'm happy that they're doing this, but they're getting a lot of praise for it today, and it just seems like the bare freaking minimum. Well, it's, you know, the NHL's great at short-sighted, bad marketing strategies, and that whole thing, like, leaning on local ratings is incredibly short-sighted. Like, if you want to grow the game, show something that people flipping through the channels on a random Wednesday night might catch, and it's going to be really, really good, so they keep watching, and then all of a sudden they're a hockey fan. It's a wild idea, but it might work. Yeah, and NBC doesn't care. No. And that's really what it boils down to. And I I don't know if I don't know if the if the NHL is okay with it, like okay with the the lack of, you know, spreading the wealth and basically playing teams like Winnipeg more or if it's literally just NBC being like, guys, you have literally no negotiating power whatsoever. We're going to play whatever teams we want on our network. Like I, I don't yeah. know, but it could be it could just be that or the NHL could be all all for it too because they think that like, you know, Jack Eichel is the player they should be promoting on a terrible team. That's it like Austin Matthews while he does play for the Maple Leafs. If we ever, you know, get to a point where NHL players are back in the Olympics, I assume that will happen in 2 years. Uh three years, whenever the hell the next Olympics are. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, like, Austin Matthews is going to be the guy. 
Like, that's that's your best American right there. There he is. You know, Jack Eichel's nice. Of course, Patrick Kane will be there, but this is the dude. Yeah, I mean, and, and if the if the U.S. is able to win a gold medal, it's going to be against Canada, and it's going to be on the back of Austin Matthews, which will make him an absolute national hero in the T.J. Oshie vein. So it's it's very silly not to make this kid a star. Let's talk. Uh, let's now move back to uh, to Connor McDavid, guys. This is the first thing I wanted to talk about this week because it's something we touched on just last week. Uh, and in Elliot Friedman's thirty-one thoughts, if you didn't know, I, I read this and use it to uh, use it to write half the outline every <laughs> single week. So just read thirty-one thoughts if you don't feel like listening to me, but want to keep up with your hockey news. Uh, he he talked about McDavid's ice time, and it's he played twenty oh seven last Tuesday at even strength. And that's not a huge number. Uh, I mean, 20 minutes at even strength is really big for a forward. But a couple other guys have done that this year. Uh, McDavid, Kane, Kyle Connor, Sean Couturier, Ricard Raquel, Mark Shifley have all had 20-minute even strength games. But McDavid is the only one who has done it twice. And he did it 10 times last year and uh, topped out it twice. He went about above 26 minutes. He's playing huge numbers right now. He's having a massive impact on the game. But this part, I don't know. It's such a massive ask, but the greats do not shy away from challenges. McClellan's going to keep calling for 97. McDavid isn't going to say no. Why is it that? Like, yes, 26 minutes is huge. But is 20 minutes for an elite player that big a deal? Like, I, I understand that he, he, he gets some power play and some special teams time as well, so it's he could be up there, like, close to 30 minutes a game, but I, I feel like hockey players are hockey players, and they'd find a way to adapt. These guys are in great freaking shape. Yeah, it. I guess just it's just because it's so unusual for a forward to play those kinds of minutes regularly is why it's a big deal. Um I mean, I, I I can't imagine that if McClellan saw this adversely affecting the game of the one and only talented hockey player that he has to work with, I would have to imagine that he'd cut it back a little bit, but it doesn't seem to be hurting him so far. Yeah, I think there's a there's a point to be made here too, Bill, that like we talk <clears> about, you know, well the pl- there's only so much the players can deal with, you know, guys will be tired. But on the other hand, this generation of hockey players, they're in better shape yeah. than any yeah. other generation. Like, I mean, back in the 70s, hockey players after the game would go out and drink beer, go out to the bar and have some beers. Like, I'm sure that happens occasionally, but back then, it was just accepted. Like, that's just what you did. Guys like that, like, now guys are on actual training regimens with diets and, you know, nutrition coaches and shit. Like, this generation is probably in the best shape and probably the most capable of taking heavy minutes than past generations or than, than any generation ever, I would think. No, we've we've seen several examples of just that in the last few years, Charlie. Like, all the stuff that's happened in terms of, you know, the old school guys talking about team chemistry. And it's like, well, we had to ban video games because we need to force the players to go out and hang at bars because they're just sitting in their room playing video games. Like, we can't have that. We need, we need team camaraderie. A couple of years ago, like, John Tortorella, it was a big deal when he was like, yeah, we got rid of morning skates. And it was like, well, you know, we used to have to do them because players just wouldn't stop going out the night before yeah. games yeah. so we'd have to we'd have to skate it out of them like we'd have to make them sweat out all the booze so they wouldn't be hung over when they showed up to the arena to play that night 
But since that's not really a thing anymore, we don't have to do the morning skates. And I just feel like these guys are in shape to do it. And there's an article on ESPN, I think it broke today, uh, by Emily Kaplan, and it was really good. It was a superstar roundtable where she just asked different guys different questions. And one thing we'll get to is uh, changes they would want to see made in the game. Um Breaking news, all the forwards want smaller uh, want smaller goalie pads. But <laughs> and all the goalies would hate that idea. They're, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're, they're all, yeah. N- they, they cannot stop complaining about how much it's hurting their arms. Oh, yeah, they're practice. all... They're getting bruises, they're Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, the, the players are just expected to go out there and block shots wearing, like, their regular pads, but these goalies... Oh, yeah, I got a bruise on my arm, eh? <laughs> I, I, the, the one thing I, I will say about that, and I'm, I'm mostly in like in agreement that it's ridiculous but brian elliott a couple days ago did make a good point with regards to that and his point was basically like look during the games it's not that big of a deal but during practices we probably take 120 shots yeah yeah and he's like that's where it's the most annoying because players just shoot at us constantly because it's practice during a game you're gonna make 30 35 saves like yeah one might ding you in the arm the wrong way and get hurt but he's like it's the buildup of shots you take in practices. And then some people will say, well, where are the old pads in practice? And he's like, you can't because you have to get used to playing with the new ones in practice. Oh, I was just going to ask him. Maybe that. that's the problem with Elliot. He's letting in so many goals because the puck hurts and he's just not getting in front of him. <laughs> but this is my, my, like, it's not just about McDavid or anything. My thing is the stars need to play more. And this is the change I would make. Like, wouldn't a team be better? Like, wouldn't the Flyers be better if Giroux and Voracek played double the ice time that Weiss and Laterra played? Like, yes. wouldn't that just make the Flyers better? And I really think, like, if I were to make one change, I would decrease roster sizes. Like, I would have 14 or 15 guys dressed every night. The best players play more. Guys will be more tired, meaning more scoring chances, less in games. You won't necessarily take the speed out of the game, but games will be more about puck possession than pace, which would make the game less dangerous. They're not flying at each other 100 miles an hour for 60 minutes. It's more about puck possession. Like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, to me, talent-wise, are better than Mario and Gretzky. They just are. Athletes build off of previous generations. Like the starting point from McDavid and Matthews is Gretzky and Mario. They built from that. This, These are the two most talented dudes ever produced. They should be chasing Wayne's records. The way the game is currently coached with fourth liners getting 10 to 15 minutes, it's impossible to put up 140 points, let alone 200. Well, was, that the we way talk- it, was that the way it was, though? Like, did fourth liners get, like, five minutes a game way back? I mean, I know there were some enforcers that didn't get that much playing time because they were literally just dressed to fight people. But, like, I, I don't know. I just – were fourth liners always given less minutes, or is that a new thing, Getting them getting 10 minutes a game? I think they're getting more than they were, yeah. but I think they were just more advantages back then. Like, the difference between Connor McDavid and the worst player in hockey is far smaller than the difference between Wayne Gretzky and whoever the hell the worst player was back then, even with expansion. Like, guys are just better. The fact that Matthews and McDavid are better now also means that the worst player is better now. And since fourth liners aren't fighters, they're guys like, yes, Yuri Laterra isn't very good, but he's a skilled hockey player. He belongs in the NHL. 
you know, Jody Shelley wouldn't make the league now. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I We talk all... I'm sorry, I was oh, going to say, I, I do think, um, when I came into hockey in the 90s, I, I do think the fourth lines were playing much less than they do now. Um, because it's that whole role thing that we can't seem to get away from was a lot more defined then than it is now. And they really were just there to muck and grind and then sit down. They were just fillers, it felt like. Yeah, that's, uh, I can't, uh, it wasn't Mark Howe. I'm trying to, I, I ran into a fly, an old Flyers defenseman at a tailgate, uh, outside the Winter Classic tailgate. <laughs> and I just talked to him a little bit about, like, chemo team and his ice time, because I thought he was getting overused at the time. And he goes, y- you know, the fact that they track that stuff now, people make a big deal out of it. We were playing half the game back then, and no one knew because they just weren't writing the numbers down. <laughs> like, I just think that players can play more. And we talk all the time about, like, the way the NBA markets its stars and how big of an impact stars have on the game in the NBA. Like, if you have LeBron, you're in, this, you're in the NBA Finals. If you have three great players, doesn't matter what the rest of the team is. You're, 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 in, you're in your conference final. That's fine. Like let the NHL's best players have that same impact. I just I, I it's such a bother to me, and that's why I wanted to start with uh, the two Canadian teams playing tonight. Like, yeah, I'm tuning in to see Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine, but half the game I'm gonna be watching guys I don't know who they are, and I'm an avid hockey fan. You know, a casual who's like, oh, these huge stars are playing tonight. Oh, what's who's this fourth liner? Like, oh, cool, okay. I just I don't get it. I that's the thing I would change about hockey is have guys play more who have a real impact on the outcome of wins and losses. I mean, it's never going to happen just because. I well, I mean, even from a like game standpoint, it's not going to happen because the NHLPA would never let it happen. Like you know, players. It's funny that it's funny the thing with players like I'm sure you get them on the ice and you get them on the bench. And you tell them, do you want to take every shift? They would say, yeah. But you get them in a negotiating room and tell, and, and then have somebody explain to them, like, hey, if you play, you know, 25 minutes a game versus 18, your career is going to be two years, you know, two years less. They're going to say, no, I don't want to do that. Negotiate a better, a better, you know, collective bargaining agreement for me. So, like, and plus, they're certainly never going to cut down the amount of players because that'll mean less jobs and players rightfully will lose their minds, which they should. But it's just, it's like the idea of like, we always used to talk about, well, we should contract the contract NHL teams because that would make the league better because then it'd be better players. And it was never going to happen because once these teams exist, the NHLPA wants them in because it means more jobs for their people. And the NHL wants more teams because they want more revenue. Oh, that's the other end of it is I still, even with if they were to decrease roster sizes, I want to get to like 34, 36 teams because like I said, the too many good players now, the difference is so great that the only way to get Austin Matthews to 200 points is to get him on the ice against more bad players. <laughs> and the only way to do that is have more openings. But I just feel like you could convince the Players Association, like, hey, yes, there might be fewer jobs, even though the league continues to expand. Like, we're going to get to Seattle in a second, uh, how they're going to have a team soon, and we're going to have, you know, at least 32 teams in the league in a few years, and it'll probably go up from there. Uh, 
like you'll get paid more if there are less guys. Like Connor McDavid making 12, what is it, 12.5? That's a joke. You can't get a good NBA sixth man for 12 and a half million. Yeah, it's crazy. You can't get a middle reliever for 12 and a half million. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's my No, that's that's my thing. Like I realize the whole idea of jobs, 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 but like what about the guys who make the league money get more of that money? It just seems to make more sense to me. Yeah, hockey players are woefully underpaid for their labor. Seize the means of production, right. hockey players. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to be the to to be the to lead the populist uprising in the NHL. I'm ready. It's going to be great. Uh, so, also from that ESPN article, and I got to say, I know as hockey people. We tend to just automatically go, oh, ESPN. Huh? They're doing good stuff now. Yeah, their online coverage mm -hmm. is pretty good. And with ESPN Plus now streaming like a bunch of games, including that Crosby versus McDavid game last night that wasn't on TV, like they're doing a pretty good job. Plus, Wish is there, and you got to love Wish. Yeah, since they right, yeah, since they hired him, he's been good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem with Wish personally. I just get occasionally very annoyed with his obvious devil's bias. I know, I know. But you know what? I appreciate an obvious devil's bias because, God damn it, someone needs to be rooting for the devil. Do they, though? I don't know. Like, they won three cups. They've been to, like, five in the last two decades. That's way more success than most of these teams that get all the coverage I've had. I guess. Toronto hasn't won since there were six teams in the league. Fair. Meanwhile, everything's about the Leafs. I'm, they're probably going to win a cup in the next couple years, but like they haven't done Jesus. it yet. And yeah, I'm they still have every minute of it. <laughs> They've lost two in a row. Austin Matthews doesn't have a point in two straight bust. games, gang. But yeah, oh, go ahead. Go I was ahead. just going to say Austin Matthews is a bust. Oh yeah. yeah, but also from that article, they asked all the players uh, if they had any ideas for the uh, for the Seattle team in terms of name or color or anything like. Because this need, like, the Seattle team, I think, needs to be really, really cool. Yeah. And you have some, like, cool jerseys and stuff from Seattle. Like, a lot of people suggested, like, a Seahawks or Supersonics kind of theme. And I'm down. Like, I want a neon green and, like, dark blue sort of contrasting. I want bright colors. I would actually like them to just call the team the Supersonics and just co-opt that whole brand. I, I'm thinking. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of something because I want a basketball team there, and I want them to be the Supersonics. No, again, they missed out, and they will be. It was. It was one of those deals that when they moved to Oklahoma City, the city of Seattle got to like they didn't get to take the history with them to OKC. Like they get to keep all the banners, they get to keep the rights to the name and everything, mm -hmm. so that when they do have a team again, it'll be the Supersonics. So I'm thinking, like, what about the Seattle Boom? Like Sonic Boom? What I want it like? Absolutely, the I fuck like not William. No, oh. the Boom. The Boom. That would be awesome. The Boom. It's that the the Legion of Boom. It pays tribute to that. Hey. I think it would be cool as hell. Uh, I mean, it's better than naming it after the fish. Yeah, I'm not what here for the, the fish name. What's the fish? Sockeyes. Oh, I think that's Ugh. fine. I, I don't know why Ugh. you're so anti sockeyes. Because I want them to be the Kraken mostly. Okay, well, I mean, I I agree. <laughs> All right. But but as far as the other ones go, like I will take sockeyes every day of the week over the friggin' totem. Yeah, that's Oh, totem is terrible. Totem is never going to happen because it's instantly problematic. Like they don't need that shit. 
Wait, you actually yeah. think that that's going to stop the NHL? Uh, fair. The, the, the league that okay. actively promotes Patrick Kane still? Fair. They don't give a shit. That's true. Yeah, that's the. they're the only league that would, like, listen, it's going to take some time. Like, you know, the Blackhawks, the Indians, the, the Braves, all that shit. It'll go away eventually, the Redskins. But no one's naming a new team after some sort of Native American. Yeah, like, thing. that would be bad. Like, <laughs> but the NHL. That's could. true. If any league um, was going, exactly. yeah, if any league was going to, it would absolutely be the NHL. The the Metropolitans has been uh, has been floated. That's way too long. And they have the and, no, because the division is over there. Like, they yeah, there's already yeah. a division called the Metro. That's that's just dumb. Uh, my alternates, if we can't go with Boom, even though I do really like Kraken, Kelly. It's the best. Because I like, um, I like singular team names. I think that's cool. Kraken is yeah. good. What about either the Seattle Hendricks <laughs> or the Seattle Black Tar Heroin? Seattle Spoonmans. Like the Leafs. <laughs> Why, like you can't, well, wait, you have to pluralize it incorrectly. The Spoonmans. Well, what, <laughs> Kelly, uh, you were the one who had the idea of naming their yet-to-be-built arena the Soundgarden. That wasn't me, but that's an amazing idea. It, it's an oh, incredible idea. Yeah. It's an incredible idea. Yeah. Like, oh, that needs shit. to happen. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be amazing? Guys, I, I got to tell you, I, I really enjoy you you two and Steph as uh, as my broadcast partners and everything here. But when that team's in Seattle, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lead the podcast revolution out to the, out to the West Coast. And I'm just gonna become a Seattle hipster. I already have the man bun going. You could, I think, you could uh, fit right in. I think. I think it's. I think I need to take this out west because this could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I. Yeah, no. So not. So just to get back to this ESPN article for a second, because I read it and out of curiosity. So we talked about what the players would want to change, mm-hmm. and like Bill said, most of them just had smaller equipment and bigger nets so that we can score more goals. But a couple of them did bring up the no icing on the penalty kill thing, and I actually think that's a really good idea. Oh yeah, I'd be totally in favor of that. Yeah, hundred percent. I have, I have been against that for so long. I have this friend. I have a bunch of coach friends who are constantly trying to convince me that it's the way to go. I am finally on board. You should not get an advantage for when your team breaks the rule cheating. You shouldn't get an advantage. You can't. You can't ice it when you have five guys on the ice. Why, when you're being penalized, are you allowed? to? I mean, this would be absolutely um, catastrophic for the current iteration of the Flyers, but I think it would be better <laughs> yes. for the game. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, and I think because they're already enforcing it in USA Hockey, yeah. I believe it, like Bantam and below. And I think teaching kids, I think it's great because teaching kids that you need to make a play with the puck, like I wish someone had taught me that rather than just fire it all the way down because guess what I never learned to do? Make a breakout pass. Like do something with the puck other than fire it and you'll have a lot less, you know, off the boards and out at five on five too. And I think that's like that's the way the game needs to go whether – yeah, that's I. I'm finally on board with the ending icing on pen, on the penalty Welcome. kill. I'm thinking maybe get it out to the blue line just to give you something. But if you just want to say no icing at all, I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, I actually think if there's a cool rule change that the NHL actually might implement in the next twenty years, I think it might be this one. Yeah. Like I, I could actually see them implementing that at some point because, as you said, it actually is being used in some lower levels. Um. For me, this just, it just strikes me as a rule where, like, I could see, you know, hopefully I'll be alive, you know, past 70, and, like, 
explaining to my grandkids about how, yeah, you used to be allowed to, to just send the puck down the length of the ice when you were on the penalty kill, and these kids just being like, well, that's stupid. Why would they let you do that? It's like, yeah. I know that was really stupid. You know what I mean? It just, for 50, 40 years down the line, and the next generation thinking like, that's an unbelievably stupid rule that you guys used to <laughs> yeah, have. Yeah, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like, yeah, they're still bare-knuckle brawling out there. It's totally cool. <laughs> I mean, if you think about, like, the two-line pass, like, how stupid is that now? Thinking about yeah. the two-line pass. Yeah, the two -line imagine pass was so having... Stupid. And that's the other thing I want to... Uh, offside needs to go. It's... I'm, I'm done. Okay, End I, offside. I, I'm in disagreement there, but Yeah, you would I have got too why. many cherry pickers. I just don't, I, I just think like I don't think it's gonna have the impact that people think it would. Mm. I, I my my opinion is that it would take coaches about three months to find a way to make it boring <laughs> and then the game would be just oh. as boring it is as it is now. It has nothing to do I don't think it's gonna open the game up all that much because coaches will never say, Yeah, we're gonna play five on four on defense. Coaches will never do that. Like i I just think and that that my problem with offside is it's an area play, and now that we have all this replay, like a quarter, like a, a, a toe of a guy's ski, like, no, it's breaking up plays for no reason. Yeah. It's the close stuff that bothers me because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. And if some like yeah, that Danny Briere goal a couple of years ago in the playoffs that might have like totally changed that playoff series when the Flyers were down three nothing and then, you know, beat the Penguins in the series because that led to come back in game one. That was egregious. But that shit yeah. never happens. Like I, I The review is the review is the real problem. Yeah, I just think offside is dumb. It doesn't really stop anything. I don't think taking it away would have that big of an impact except allowing for more plays that just never happen because a guy was a quarter of an inch over an invisible line that doesn't matter. Yeah. I hate it. All right. Okay. Uh, before we move on from that article, did you read the guys, uh, everyone's advice to like rookies, like financial advice? Yes. And it's, everybody said, yeah, save your money. Don't buy as many extravagant things as you want to. TJ Oshie was like, yeah, now that I have a wife and kid, I wish I didn't buy all my friends beers and burgers every time we went out <laughs> for years. <laughs> And, of course, Evgeny Kuznetsov just says, fuck it, spend your money. It's fun. <laughs> Kuznetsov, <laughs> like, I I envy. And Jake Voracek is probably the closest, and he's a really good inter interview, too. But I envy the people who cover the Capitals. Because yeah. Evgeny Kuznetsov is, like, the best friggin' interview ever. <laughs> the shit he's – and it's like a daily – like, I talk to people who cover that team. And the, the stuff that we hear are just, like – the the tens out of tens he's throwing out nine out of ten eight out of ten quotes daily yeah oh no it's like when shane gossis bear says something's fucking brutal that's as close as you get to personality out of this <laughs> i mean jake is good jake jake is good, is good and you have good convos with jake but yeah. like kuznetsov it's on a whole another level I, i'm blocked by jake so i can only have so many conversations Same. with him <laughs> but uh i i I want to go back to McDavid for a second because, listen, I know he is the man now. And, like, he is at least head and shoulders, at least just head above, uh, that sounds funny, <laughs> above, uh, above, like, Austin Matthews. And he's the best player in the league. But tell me that Crosby game winner last night wasn't a little bit of a, uh, not so fast, kid. I mean, listen. Like, how it, listen. It was cool, but also, it wasn't, like, he was 
sticking the Ottawa defense out of their shorts, not like an actual NHL defense. So, but like, how often do we see? How often do we see Crosby make those moves? He's not like a. a it's not like he's dangling guys on a nightly basis. He just or made Edmonton, such a. Sorry. He, t- sorry. He took the yeah. He took the puck down into the corner. Uh, he, he lulled everyone to sleep like he was going to just wait for reinforcements, got one-on-one, and just laughed. Just laughed. And I'm not some huge Crosby fan, but I am an admirer from afar. And it took me this conversation I was having with a friend once about admiring and appreciating greatness. Mm-hmm. He was a few years older than me, and he told me he spent like his whole adolescence just hating Michael Jordan. Uh, and then when Jordan retired after the second three-peat, realized he missed the best thing he was ever going to see from a basketball basketball perspective at least because hatred clouded his judgment and i i don't want to let that happen with crosby just like i'm not going to let it happen with mcdavid because these are the best dudes i'm ever going to see and the thing with like i thought we were going to get that with lindros and we didn't and it's just like how fleeting yeah. greatness is crosby's already down a peg from what he was and I, I just want to make sure we get to appreciate how great some of these guys are, but also fuck Crosby. Yeah, I mean, it's – when he first came in – so it was like a weird thing with Crosby because when he was playing in juniors, he was so good. And when you got to see him play there, it was like, oh, wow, this kid's going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch him in the NHL. But then he got here, and he spent those first few years being very whiny and up his own ass. And so he made everybody hate him. But I think once he matured past that whiny stage – it was. It became a lot easier to appreciate him for what he is, um, and I, th- I, I, I would like to think the Flyers fans do. I mean, because that goal last night, it was like old school Crosby goodness. Yeah, I mean, it was a great goal. Without a doubt, it was a great goal. But it, I, what does annoy me, like not the the goal itself. The goal itself was just fun. What annoys me about the concept of greatness is that, like. Yes, he can make a play like that, and it's super cool that he can, and he obviously can because for years and years and years he was the unquestioned best player in the game. The difference between Crosby now and Crosby then is that Crosby then did that, like not that, but had plays like that on a night mm-hmm. Yeah. Now he can do it sometimes. And it annoys me when people like take – the example of him doing it sometimes and say, see, that's why he's still the best. It's like, no, the reason why McDavid is the best is because he does plays like that every night. Like greatness is not just showing a great play once in a while. Like I've watched freaking Tom Sestito have great goals once in a while. Silky Mitz. Greatness. Yeah. Like greatness is being able to do it every single night. And you look at the stats and Crosby is not capable of doing it every single night anymore. He can still do it. He just can't. He physically is not able to do it as often as someone like McDavid is. And that's why McDavid's better. I. It's still cool. It's still cool to see Crosby do it. And I'm sure with, with somebody like Crosby, he's especially motivated to do it when he's playing against a Connor McDavid head-to-head to show the kid, like, hey, I'm still I'm still on top. Because there's a pride thing. The best players, oh. have to, they have to have pride. They have to. But, like, the fact that he has to dial it up or has McDavid is, like, always at that level, that's the difference between the two players right now. Oh, yeah. And Crosby's still a top five player forward, at least, in the league, without a doubt. That's all the hot takes that have come out about it. Like, oh, yeah, Crosby's still the best player. Like, no, he isn't, man. 
No, he isn't. He's the most accomplished player of a generation. Yeah, absolutely. But he's not the best player in the league anymore. But I just liked it. I just liked it because it was one of those moments. Like, it was just a really cool moment where he's head-to-head against the best player now, and he goes, not so fast, kid. Yeah, it would I be, still got you it. You know what it's like? It's like when, like, the last four or five years of Kobe's career, yeah. when, like, Kobe would play LeBron, and Kobe would have this, like, amazing dunk or whatever where he, like, you know, goes through three people and, and slams it over top of LeBron, and you'd have, like, the Kobe fans being like, see, this is why Kobe's still better than LeBron. It's like, no. It's because Kobe got super up for this game because he, understandably, because he's a super prideful player, thinks he's still better than LeBron and wants to show that on the national stage. But no, he's not still better than LeBron. LeBron is, objectively speaking, the best player in the game because LeBron does that shit every night. I want to move on now real fast to uh, Boston and Colorado just because Flyers have seen Colorado twice already, so we've seen them up close. We're going to see Boston up close uh, What Thursday, tomorrow, right? Uh-huh. Um, these top lines, man, they are good, and I don't think either of these teams maybe are the best in their conference. But I looked up last night when they play each other, and I want to see these top lines go head-to-head because they are super entertaining. Uh, Dark horse for the Stanley Cup final, maybe? Some (laughs) two teams nobody picked? That would be wild, but no. It would be. I think think Boston's a dark horse. Maybe. I don't think they're going to do it, but they're one of those teams where it would not shock me if they did it. Yeah, yeah. Colorado, I I just – I don't see it. Hmm. You look, look at their lineup. Like I, I, I posted this in, uh, in one of my articles, the article on the Colorado game, and I basically my last observation, which, to, to be totally honest, I had nine observations. I was like, I can't think of anything else to write about. I'm just going to talk about these two rosters. <laughs> and I said that you, know, you look at the Colorado roster and you look at the Flyers roster, really top to bottom. Like, Colorado should not be making the Flyers look as bad as they did. They're basically no. the same team. The Flyers are a little bit deeper at forward. Colorado has better goaltending. The rest of their team's pretty much the same. And and part of that is that, like, Colorado has that great top line, and the rest of their forward core is like, who? Like, none of their other forwards past that top line are any good. Or, no, that's, or, or was... they're, they're okay, but they're certainly nothing special. I was looking at Colorado's, like, roster and see who beyond the top line is producing. And I, uh, last night on the show, I complimented that play that Matt Calvert made to set up the Matt Nieto goal. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's see what Calvert's doing. Yeah, that was his only assist on the season. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, then that made me just sad. I was like, Jesus, he did that? At the, uh, Christ. Here we go again. Right. But, yeah, uh, any insights on, uh, on Boston? I know you just finished up checking out the competition, Kelly. Yeah, so um... – First of all, they don't seem to have any idea what's going on with Charlie McAvoy. Um, Nobody knows Mm. if he has a concussion or if it's this thing with his heart that he had an issue with um, either last season or a couple seasons ago. So that I thought was interesting. But also, um, apart from their top line, they seem to, at least this guy was a bit concerned about their depth. Like if that top line isn't having a good game, the rest of the team doesn't really seem to pick up the slack at all. So... Sounds they familiar. Lo- yeah. They lost their uh, they lost their three C, and I know they spent like the entire train because Riley yeah. Nash, their third line center last year, they lost into the Blue Jackets in free agency, and they spent like the entire training camp looking for a new three C, and I guess they really haven't found one. No, doesn't seem like it. And also, um, yeah, Tuca had one good game, and it was last night against the the Senators. So 
he's not anything that we need to worry about, I don't think. They have, like, multiple defensemen injured, right? Like, they have a lot of injuries, boy. yeah. Yeah, like, Krug's out. And yep. They, I think I saw one of their other defensemen got a concussion last night. Uh, Yeah, the guy with the long Finnish name that I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're going to be pretty uh, thin yeah. up at the blue line. Yeah, I mean— Basically, Char and who else? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so if if so, it seems like if you can contain their top line, you can shut them down pretty well. And the Flyers won't be able to do they that. They will not. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Certainly not no, on the they road. Did that. Yeah. Re- remember how great of a job Hackstall was doing with line matching against Colorado? Man, that really worked. Oh, right, everyone was minus three. <laughs> um, so I gotta give it to I gotta give it to you guys, especially Charlie. I will admit when I'm wrong when I do believe that I am wrong. And God damn the Kings. Are- <laughs> <laughs> they have lost five in a row. They're two, six, and one on the season. Uh, they are last place in the West. They have a minus fifteen goal di- differential, which only Detroit is worse. Yikes. And we constantly ask ourselves, is Detroit really a team? No. Uh, so I gotta know: Is John Stevens going to be the f- first coach fired? He could be. Yeah, I mean, some of the teams that you thought were going to be really bad to start the year actually haven't been that bad. Yeah. So, yeah, he very well could be. Like, Ottawa is passable. Montreal has been actually pretty good. They're first in the division like, right te- now. Yeah, like, I think those teams are going to fall yeah. off, without yeah. a doubt. But, you know. But other coaches might get fired first. Yeah, exactly. Like, other <laughs> yeah. coaches might go. And, yeah, I mean, LA, ha- LA was a team with expectations, and they're not just losing. Like, they're getting torched. They have the uh, – they have the worst goal differential in the Western Conference, minus 15. And it's only yeah. be, it's only behind Detroit, who, as we talked about on the main show yesterday, are they even really a team? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's I, – I, like, I like John Stevens. Uh, you know, he, he took the Phantoms to a Calder Cup. He uh, he kind of started the renaissance of, uh, of the Flyers under the Richardson-Carter era and, you know, got fired, I think, like December 4th. Uh, in 2009 here. So he could be in for his second pre-Christmas firing of his career. Oh, boy. But, so what I really want to know, how soon until he's coaching the penalty kill here in Philadelphia? Not soon enough, William. Not soon <laughs> enough. This is something Charlie and I were talking about uh, before the show. And, yeah, sure, like he had Mike Richards on the penalty kill and he had Danny Briere and Simone Gagne on the power play, but... His special teams were really good here, and I would like to see that brought back. Maybe Ian LaPerriere can get fired up to, like, head of player development or some shit because they like him, you know, they like him talking to the young kids, and I I don't know whatever they like him for, but they like him. So let him do that stuff. And, like, maybe John Stevens is just a good assistant and not a good head coach. Stevens was a a good young guy coach, too, and given the makeup of the Flyers team right now, it wouldn't hurt to have him around considering the fact that Dave Haxtall is a, a bird statue with no emotions. <laughs> at, th- at this point, I would literally take anyone, yeah. and that includes, that includes Kelly and Bill, <laughs> to, coach the, to coach the penalty kill over Ian. I feel, assu- I feel insulted. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you list the two of us as the bottom of the barrel? I mean, I know what I would tell the team to do on the penalty kill, and it wouldn't be all that effective, but it would at least entertain me. (laughs) Just cross-check everybody. They won't call it. They're not going to call every single one. I guarantee it. Game would take too long. See, you you know why I'd rather have one of you guys coaching the penalty kill than Ian LaPerriere? Because I know if you guys do a bad job, they'll actually fire you. (laughs) 
Fair enough. You're not wrong. Can you imagine me and, like, Ron sitting down and him just, like, having clips of shit I've said <laughs> over the years? <laughs> that would be amazing. <sighs> All right, so anything else, gang? I feel good about what we did here. Yeah, it right. was a good show. Yeah, me too. So that is all the time we have for you on Ice Sport Radio this week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing or whatever the hell you do to listen to our podcasts. We we greatly appreciate it, and we hope you keep doing it because uh, it pays my bills. Uh, (laughs) So thanks a lot, and have a great week, everybody. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. (laughs) 